in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, Opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is Epiphany Sunday, and it marks the end of our Christmas season. Officially, though Crystal's right, Christmas never ends, and I never want us to forget the message of the babe born in the manger in Bethlehem. But officially, it's the end of our Christmas season. And Epiphany, of course, that aha moment means a manifestation of God in our midst or, or a revelation of God. And of course, what's important about Epiphany is that this manifestation of God comes to the Magi, to the wise men, to the Gentiles. It is the moment when God opens the door and says, you know what, this message of mine, this salvation of mine, this healing and wholeness of mine is not just for the people of Israel, but it is going to be for all the world. The Magi represent the fact that Jesus is for everybody. God has done something new. And these magi, these wise men, see it. Now, uh, first of all, let me say, they're not kings. 
you know, later on the tradition turns them into kings because they got these treasure chests and all this gold and they want to have these powerful men come. But they're, they're really wise men. They're in the text magi and, and, and we should think that they are ancient astrologers. They're kind of the scientists of their day. They're observing the movements of the stars in the heavens and the prophecies around those movements of the stars. And so they have this this uh, uh, sense that what they're interpreting from the stars is that the king of the Jews has been born. So to kind of verify their theory or hypothesis, these three wise men, these magi, set out for Jerusalem and they begin to ask around. They say, hey, where's this king of the Jews supposed to be born? We've seen a star, we think it's his. Well, Herod, who, of course, is the king, is the Roman ruler, he doesn't like the fact of what he's hearing, that someone says the king of the Jews has been born because another king could be a big threat to his power and authority. Another king could mean insurrection among the people that he's there controlling. And so, you know, this is a kind of a threatening thing. I better do something and figure out what's going on here. And so you know, calls together the Jewish leaders and says, hey, where, where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, they say. So then, notice that the text says this. He calls the Magi in secret. Now, you know if it's in secret, anything that's done in secret, anytime we're doing something in secret, you know, you have to ask if it's the right thing to do. In other words, it's telling us very clearly that King Herod is trying to manipulate these wise men for his purposes. He calls them in secret. He's not going to tell them the truth. And basically, he says to him, look, why don't you go on to Bethlehem, check it out. If it, it proves to be true, you come on back by, and I'll, get, I'll pay you for it. Because astrologers would have been paid for their reading, interpreting of the stars for this information, no doubt they would have been paid well. And uh, then Herod gets the information that he wants and can take care of the threat. So off go these wise men to Bethlehem. They come upon Mary with the baby Jesus. They see him, they give him Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I have to say that this was the first time I've read this text and said, huh, what happened to the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? You ever thought about that? I mean, Joseph and Mary aren't rich people. What did they end up doing with all their riches? And I've decided, now I don't know this is true, but I think it funded their trip to Egypt. You know, they had to flee to Egypt for a few years. I'll bet that gold, frankincense, and myrrh was what they used to survive in Egypt for those couple years till they could come back. But anyway, in any case, see, sometimes you have to ask questions about the scriptures and not just, you know, oh, good, they got all these riches. Yeah, well, what happened to them? So <coughs> in any case, once these wise men, look upon Jesus and they give their treasures 
Then the text tells us, and this is the most important part of this story, the text says to us they were warned in a dream. Now, now, did they fall asleep or take a nap for a while there by Jesus? I don't know. Did they stay several days? We don't know. But whenever the scriptures are talking about being warned in a dream, it's saying God spoke to them. God gave them this information that God revealed something to them. And then they returned to their home country by another road. That is the most important part of this text. They do not go back to Jerusalem to collect their money from Herod. They do not go the paths that they usually travel. They turn and they go in another direction. You see, when you encounter God in Jesus Christ, you cannot continue to travel the paths that you've been on before. Something changes in that encounter with Jesus. These wise men have looked at Jesus and they have been changed by the experience. Now, I want to say one thing here. You know, we, we in the past couple hundred years, we've turned the encounter with Jesus into one, this intellectual belief, believe in Jesus, and two, this confession of the mouth, and we confess Jesus. But if you look at the story, the encounter with Jesus isn't just intellectual, and it isn't just a confession. It is actually a change in the inner life of the person. They go in a new direction. They cannot continue down the path that they've been Walking before, everything changes. I'm sure that most of us in here have followed uh, the story of Damar Hamlin this past week. And uh, if, you're, if you're like me, I actually turned on uh, the Monday night football game last week, not because I watch very much football, but because this was supposed to be like virtually the game of the season, right? The Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, got two of the best quarterbacks playing for the seeding in the, in the playoffs. I mean, it was hype, 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 big game. And in the first quarter, DeMar Hamlin, who's a safety for the Bills, made what, what looked like a very ordinary tackle. And after the tackle, he stood up and then he collapsed backwards. And within a minute, the medical personnel were out there around him, realized he had no pulse and he wasn't breathing, and they began CPR. And everything changed on that field. Now, let's, let's forget about the world looking on and the people in the stands, but let's just think about the players, his teammates, the guys who knew him well. Football players are paid to be in one of the most violent professions in the world. These guys hit and hit hard. It's like a train wreck. They're hurt all the time. Guys are falling all the time. But what they were seeing on that field, these grown men were crying. They were hugging each other. 
they were unable to put aside what was happening to this guy on the field and just go on with the game. Everything changed because his life was on the line. Because, you know what, there's this sense, I have to say, of when you're with teammates that you really care about, of loving these people, and suddenly you're shocked that he's dying on the field. In fact, some of the commentators, after this scene played out, said that NFL changed on that day because it was the first time this organization set aside money, set aside the game, set aside all this stuff, and said, you know what, the game doesn't matter, we're canceling it. The only thing that matters is the life of this person. And in fact, yesterday, if you were uh, uh, caught any of the game, or if, like me, you saw any of the uh, news this morning, there were all kinds of sideline people wearing uh, shirts that said, love for DeMar. You see, there are moments when everything changes. When the Magi look upon that baby, everything changed. What was it that changed? I think they experienced the love of God in Jesus Christ. You see, the love of God in Jesus Christ is the single most powerful force in the world. The love of God in Jesus Christ changes everything. The love of God in Jesus Christ is the only thing in the universe that can heal, that can make whole, that can change lives, that can send us down another path. Our theme this year, now you know we've been through great faithful, hopeful, fruitful. Now we're up to loveful. Yeah, I can't say loveful. But our, our, our theme for the year is loving. It's not just love as an abstract con uh, concept. Love, it is loving. It is love in action. It is the love of God that changes us. It's the love of God that sends us in another direction. It's the love of God we experience when we come to know Jesus Christ that says, I can't go back the way I came. I have to travel a new path led by the love of God. You see, we are called to love in this world. It's the only command that Jesus gives us. And if you think about the story of Jesus, the whole story is a story of love. It begins with the love poured into the flesh of Jesus. Pure, unconditional love. It continues in the love that he shows in his ministry, healing people, feeding people, caring for people, inviting the outsiders in. It continues in the love that's displayed on the cross of Jesus, and it's finished with an exclamation point when God says, I love you so much that I'm overcoming the grave in the resurrection to life. The whole story of Jesus is about love. And I tell you this, 
the more we love, the less we will sin. Think about the people you love most. The last thing you want to do is hurt them or do anything that would undermine their well-being in their life. The more we love, the less we sin because the power of love changes us from the inside out. The power of love is the only thing in the universe that is eternal, that exists beyond the grave. The power of love is what changes lives. As we begin this year, the only question that God really has before us is, will you accept the love of God that is given for you? Will you accept the love of God that has been given for you? Will you accept the love of God that has been given for you and for all? Because the power of love can change everything. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.